This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. McDelivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door, including my favourite, the Quarter Pounder with cheese. Mm. No matter the result, you'll always be winning with McDelivery, so the only thing left to say is, are you in? Order now on the McDonald's app, and you can also get reward points delivered too, so that ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants, 18 plus, rewards registration required, points only on menu items, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Ah, hello and welcome to the Stacey West podcast, episode number 262. Uh, I am Chris, of course, maybe a, a voice you were not expecting to hear firstly. Um, that is because Ben is down in Gloucester visiting family and Gary sadly was unable to watch the Derby game due to a power cut. So I am joined once again by my good friend, Charlie, who absolutely was at the game yesterday. How are you, my friend? Uh, yeah, not too bad, thanks. Um, like, I was at the game. It's uh, it's a lot easier, as, as I sort of said to yourself last night, Chris, it's a lot easier to be sitting here and talking about the game <clears throat> this morning um, rather than letting emotions sort of rule it, like I think last night. I wasn't angry walking out of the stadium or anything like that. I think it's fair to say I went there expecting, or not expect, well, not expecting anything, hoping for a point at best. Um, I just felt a little bit deflated walking out. You know, there, yeah, there, are, there are plenty of positives to take and, you know, we'll, we'll go through a lot of them later. There are obviously also plenty of negatives that we can also go through, of course. But I just think, you know, last night, it, it, it just kind of deflated me a little bit. But then this morning, I'm sort of waking up and thinking, do you know what? We lost against one of the best sides in this league, a side that are going to be fighting Portsmouth, Peterborough, Bolton, for, for automatics at the end of this season. It's not that bad, really, was it? No, no, it wasn't. And um, I have to say, I was a little surprised by some of the negativity I saw online. Um, but I also then, probably more objectively, saw where it came from. You know, nightmare travel, you know, Thursday night before Christmas, making the effort to go down to the game. And, you know, regardless of what happened on the pitch, a disappointing result... Um, yeah, I, I kind of think that, that that absolutely adds a bit of fuel to the fire, doesn't it? So I think everyone can be a lot more objective both ways um, the day after. But of course, it's our job to maybe talk through the game in a little bit more depth and, and to put a little bit of an analytical spin on this. Um, so I suppose let's let's jump straight into it because I know we're a little bit pushed for time today. I'm sure everyone's very, very busy before Christmas, so it might be a slightly shorter one. Um, but I suppose the first talking point would be the lineup, particularly in the back three. 
with no TJ Aoma. Mm. Now, I, you know, we um, we spoke about this in the group chat last night, and I was sat on the still on the coach at the time, if I remember correctly, and I was sort of sat with a couple of friends, and obviously the lineup came out. We were reading through the lineup, and do you know what? I was in absolutely no way surprised that Alex Mitchell started over TJ over last night. And that is in no way a slight on TJ. TJ, as a general rule of thumb, does not deserve to be dropped considering his run of games recently. But away at Derby County, where we we expected it to be a lot, actually probably actually a lot more back to the wall than what it was uh, at certain points yesterday. But in a game where we expected, to, expected it to be quite back to the wall, I thought, I, you know, a big stocky centre half like Alex Mitchell is was just better suited to the game than what TJ Omer was. So I wasn't surprised by that at all. But obviously the other sort of slight change. Well, I think it's fair to say when the lineup came out that we all expected it to be Ted Bishop playing in a number ten role next to Danny Mandroyu in behind Jovan Makama, with obviously Ethan Hamilton and uh, Ethan Arahan sat in behind. And that is another huge point, by the way. Ethan Arahan being back fit for yesterday's game makes such a huge difference to us. He really does. Uh, some people got a little bit too excited in the group chat, and um, yeah, it, you know, it's, <laughs> look, it, it was it was great to see. Uh, and I I went in. To the game actually with a little bit of faith in that point if we hadn't have had Ethan Aaron I'd have, I'd have probably just turned around and come home because I just, not I'm not saying that we're a one-man team no so far from it and to be fair Ethan Hamilton I'm sticking me back out of the line here, I think he's actually been better than Aaron on the whole this season but them two as a duo are so uncomparable in this league which is obviously a really good thing yeah but they weren't really a duo were they yesterday well night? this is um, it uh, because Ted played in the deeper role next to Arahan mm-hmm. with Ethan Hamilton pushing a little bit higher. He seemed to be much more advanced than both Ted and, and Arahan, pretty much for the full 90 minutes. Mm. Um, I think that was a good, from an attacking perspective, I, I saw it as like a really aggressive defensive ploy as well. It allowed us to press higher, more aggressively. And I think that really, really worked in the first 15 minutes or so, which we'll get on to. Just quickly on, on, on the defenders, I think I just want to touch on TJ, because I, I agree with you, mate. I think I don't I don't think you deserve to be dropped at all. And I don't see this as, as a dropping as such. It's just horses for courses, isn't it? We expect to be up against a very physical threat in Derby. Alex Mitchell is most likely more suited to that. We expect it to have less of the ball than we have uh, against maybe some some lesser teams. Again, so you expect to go maybe just that bigger, stronger. Now, as it turned out, we, we actually dealt with their threat reasonably well before we even reached our back three um, for the majority of the game, particularly in the first sort of 60, 65 minutes or so. Um, but yeah, I don't see this as TJ being dropped. Just like it didn't really, it, it felt a bit harsh on Alex Mitchell to lose his place to Pordy when he came back in. Um, yeah. So I think what we have is four outstanding centre-halves and three of them get to play and you pick pick your best three for the for the, suit the opposition. Um, but yeah, I think the, the first 15 minutes or so I thought were, were brilliant. I thought we, we started the game really on the front foot. I thought we were knocking on the door at times, again, without really creating anything really clear-cut at all, but good on the ball, moving the ball quickly, particularly impressed with our pressing off the ball. We just yeah. have some more intensity uh, in our desire to win the ball back. So, yeah, I, I thought we started the game really, really well, to be honest. And and then um, we actually had the first real opportunity of the game. Manjoyo nicks the ball off a Derby County throw-in. Moves the ball to Makama. 
who then knocks it back to Mandrew. It did slow down a little bit at that point, which I think was a, a bit of a recurring theme is when the ball did get to, mm. to at times when he did hold on to it, our attacks did slow a tad. But ultimately, what from that point, we had some, some decent possession for sort of 10 passes, which culminated in a shot from Hamilton. And at that point, I felt really, really comfortable. I thought, yeah, is that, there is actually a chance here for us. Because to be honest, going into the game, even seeing the lineup, I still expected us to lose this. And all I wanted to see really was an improvement in performance from Saturday. I expected yes. us to lose, but if we lost by putting a shift in and showing improvement both in and out of possession, I would have been reasonably satisfied. Um, but actually, after that first 15, 20 minutes or so, I started to believe we could get something out of this. And then, 25 minutes on the clock, 1-0 Derby. Yeah. Look, I 100% echo the thoughts, especially those first 15 minutes. I... I think it was about 18 minutes into the game and I remember getting my phone out to check the possession stats. And it was, I think it was 67, 30, 33 at the time to Derby. And that surprised me, which is a, is, is a good thing that it surprised me because I genuinely felt like we had more, in a way, kind of control over the game. And we, you know, we know that you can have control without the ball. It's something that's been a bit of a staple of our teams over the last couple of seasons. But I actually felt like we were controlling the game on the ball as well. We were playing some really nice football. The midfield seemed to be working really well in the kind of setup that we spoke about with sort of Ted and uh, Ted and Ethan Aaron sat in behind and letting Hamilton roam forward. I thought that was, you know, a really good kind of ploy as well. And it, and it, Looked like that so far in the first kind of 20 minutes. Um, but at the end of the day, like you say, it, unfortunately, the quality that Derby have, and you just can't account for that quality. You can you can beat a team tactically, but sometimes quality can just prevail. And you'll see it in, in the top teams because there are there are many instances of even you know, like I said, Premier League footballers who that they're being battered in a game. And the other team probably deserve to win. But those small instances of quality from the best sides in a division can sometimes be the, the key to opening up a strong defence. And I think that was very much part of it yesterday. Yeah, key individual, really. Um, yeah. Conor Hurahan, just oh. ex-Premier League player, just technically excellent, isn't he? So um, I do feel, because it's an attack down the right from Derby, um, I do feel we maybe could have engaged with the crosser a little bit earlier. Um, yeah. I think it was Mandrui, but I, I feel really bad about kind of calling that out because Mandrui's off the ball stuff, particularly in, in winning the back, winning the ball back and pressing it, was, was yeah. really good in this game. And I even mentioned earlier, our first our first chance came from him winning the ball back off a throwing. Um, so I, I feel bad about being too critical here because he did have two. I, I'm going to say but... it's because it's a bit of a difficult one because Mandrui was running back and, and because of that, he was at one point like deeper than Ethan Arahan and the rest of yeah. the midfield. So, it, I, I would understand agree with you. It's really difficult to kind of slate his intensity to, to kind of yeah, get back it is. when, it's, it's when it's we know he's not, doing that. Yeah, it's, it's just, definitely not his fault. It was just... No, no. Th- th- it was a free crossing um, and that, that was a little disappointing. Think, ah, if someone had been able to get a little bit closer, then I've, I've had yeah. a couple of freeze frames. I've actually used some of the video on Scout this time, so Gary, because Gary's not on here, and I can get away with it without him telling me off. Um, yeah, it just looked like maybe we could have been five yards closer just to put a bit more pressure on the cross, but... Ultimately, it was a really good ball in. Alex Mitchell does brilliantly to make the first contact. Mm. It then um, comes out onto the edge of the 18-yard box. And then, yeah, Conor Hurrahan just absolutely smashes it into the top corner. Great strike. 
uh, XG of that was 0.2 or something. It was really low, but he just catches it so well. Yeah. Strike on the first time. And as much as the goal maybe was disappointing, it, it felt like a sucker punch. It was a bit against the run of play because at that point we mm. were, I think we would arguably yeah, been, was. Been, the, been the better team. Um, so there is one small negative because I was overridingly positive last night and I still am overridingly positive now, but there's a couple of things that have maybe popped up and there's one, and this is something that I actually mentioned last season as well. So it's something that maybe has, has been a little bit of a, an issue for us for a while. But I think this is just a symptom of, of having a relatively young team, particularly against an experienced squad like Derby, which is we don't tend to deal with disappointment very well. It's like emotional intelligence, mm-hmm. isn't it? So whenever things don't go against us, we it really knocks us. Now, goals change games, don't they? It, it does affect your confidence. It, obviously, it, pe- it perks up the opposition as well. But I do feel that since that, from that point of their them scoring until almost half time, of course, when we got the penalty, I think Derby did dominate that. Not not didn't batter us, didn't have loads of shots, but they definitely had more territory and they had a bit more of the impetus. And I just felt we dis we we struggled to really get a foothold in that last fifteen minutes than we did in the first sort of twenty five thirty or so. Um, yeah, so it's it's I think it's just it's a symptom of a, of, a, of a young squad, and it's not every player, but it's a, it's a few. I just feel that our composure just starts to leave it loses a little bit. And we're not going to be the only team that this is apparent for, but it is probably a little weakness that we have, I'd say. No, absolutely. I think we as fans often talk about goals against us as sucker punches. And mm. I think yesterday was a, a prime example of that because, like you say, I, I don't think we were that bad in the first 20 minutes. Okay, yes, we struggled to actually create too much in the final third. It's something we'll go on to, of course. And we know that's an issue for us as a whole. But I don't think we should have quite let their goal be quite as much of a sucker punch to us. And, you know, spoiler alert, we conceded again in that game. Um, Mm -hmm. And I think it happened again with the second goal, something we'll go on to. But before all of that, you've already alluded to it, the penalty. Now, I I got home last night and my my mum and dad were at home and they uh, they watched the game on, on iFollow. And I come back in. I mean, my mum knows nothing about football. She she sits and watches um, the YouTube videos that I that I do. Um, sometimes she watches you, Ben, as well. If you're lucky, mate. Um, but uh, yeah, she she sits and watches the YouTube videos, but she has no idea about about football really. And uh, I get back in, and she goes, "Ah, oh, that wasn't a penalty. That I'm like, oh, right, okay." <laughs> um, I, I said, "I hadn't seen it back." I can't 100% comment then, but, you know, that's not what everybody else was telling me. So I was watching it back this morning. I, I, I just brought her in and laughed at her. Um, it happened in slow motion, first of all, and, and you you and Ben both alluded to, to that last night and watching it back this morning. I 100% agree with you. Um, Pauly O'Connor making the overlapping run was absolutely... <laughs> stuff dreams are made of, isn't it, Chris? It I, I love it. This is It was incredible. This is... um. I like a back three. I, I think we will move to a back four eventually under Michael Scubala. It's I like a back three solely for yeah. this reason. Yeah. Because when you get sustained possession, which we did actually for the first time since their mm-hmm. goal, really, it was yeah. the first time we had any sort of sustained possession in their half. I always liken to, to Michael Scubala mentioning something in one of his early interviews about putting the tent pegs in. Once you get into their half, can you stay there and pin them in? And we did pin them in for a, for a while, which then allowed us to get up the pitch, which then allowed Pauly O'Connor, an outside centre-back... <laughs> Therefore, doesn't have a, a direct marker to come completely unmarked on the overlap. Well, third mm-hmm. man run, 
strides into the 18-yard box. Um, and you have, the thing is, as a defender, you have to engage with him there. You have to go and tackle him. Was it, was it Joe Walsh? Um, I'm not 100% sure. sure. Maybe so. I'm not 100% yeah, sure. Yeah. Um, it was a poor challenge. And like you say, it happened in slow oh. motion. But it was, and it was, it was O'Connor seeing that. And it was, mm-hmm. it was, it was the fact that, yeah, I, that's why I like a back three is the outside centre backs when they have the opportunity to, to, to yeah. be that that third man in those sustained possession, um, to, to those sustained periods of possession. Sorry, it just creates havoc. Now you can't do that without the sustained possession. You can't do yeah. that when you're playing counter attack, and you can't play that when you play long ball. So it it very much is is quite niche, but that is one of the benefits of it, and it worked a treat in that moment. I think we saw it quite a lot, not necessarily to the to the same extent because you know we didn't necessarily want a penalty off it or anything like that. But we saw it um, actually against Cambridge when Alex Mitchell you know, particularly ex- exactly because yeah. the the wide centre half and I don't think TJ on the left hand side against Cambridge was able to do it quite as much purely because of the fact that it was Dylan Duffy at left wing back and I think we were a little bit defensively frail on that side because of that reason so I think TJ had to be a little bit more reserved but like you say what Alex Mitchell could do was because he was effectively then in possession when we had sustained periods of it, was effectively playing as a fullback. That's the sort of overlapping run that you wouldn't be surprised to see a fullback make, which, you know, we then can't necessarily be too surprised to see when one of our wide centre-backs does the same thing, because that's how it's set up. And it's nice to see, you know, we're getting something out of these tiny little setup changes that have happened. And I'm I'm, going to go on into a little bit later talking about sort of, a little bit of Skubala versus Kennedy. So I saw a few comments, you know, yeah. of um, oh, what was the what was the point in getting getting rid of Kennedy? We'll yeah, no, I, I think it's... that's a really interesting and a really useful discussion mm. to have today. I think that's that's quite prominent at the moment. It is, so, and yeah. I think, but I just think it's really nice. Just these these tiny little setup changes. Look, he said it on uh, the, the interview with you guys. He said it on BBC Radio Lincolnshire. Michael Skubala has said this is evolution, not revolution. Yeah, and this is the thing. It's it's about these tiny little changes that you won't see in every single match. You won't see them within the first two, three, four matches. But over time, you'll start picking things up. And I think that's what we did yesterday. And obviously, we got the penalty. Danny Mandroyo tucked it away like he always does. I think that's his fifth goal this season. Um, three, four penalties, something like that. Um, but he takes them really, really well. Um, so huge for that. And then half time comes. One of the best times for us to score, I think, because what it did was it, it I mean, it changed the half time team talks. We know that. Going into the second half, then the start of that second half, suddenly we're one all. And it was like that first 15 minutes again, because I just thought that we were then starting to have a little bit more of the ball. We had some of the earlier opportunities in the second half. And I'm genuinely sat there thinking we could go on and win this. That wasn't what happened, though, was it, Chris? <laughs> Well, I think I want to add to that because I, I, I agree. And I thought we were fantastic again at the start of the second half. We were fantastic in the first 15 minutes or so of both halves. <coughs> Excuse me. There was, a, there was a move, though, I think on 47 minutes or so. So just mm-hmm. after half time for us, which yep. epitomises <laughs> where we are right now as a, as a first team squad. So I will talk you through this because I made a note of this. I watched it back on Y Scout. Frame by frame, because I remembered it. I was like, I need to watch this bit again. Because in my head, when we in when I was watching it live, I was mm. I was so impressed by this, particularly by one element of it. And then I watched it back and realised kind of what happened. So basically, Bordio kind of picks the ball up after a long clearance from Derby, just inside our half, um, knocks it inside to 
Ted, I think. Oh no, there's a bit of one touch passing on the left hand side through Irahan and Burroughs and whatnot. And then it kind of gets a little bit congested. So there's good intensity on our passing, literally one touch, two touch passing. And then we get a little bit stuck. And Ted Bishop takes a position really deep between our two outside centre halves. So inside the, the kind of the, the centre circle, but he drops really deep. He receives the ball. He then attracts two Derby players to him. He receives it in a really tight area. But because he's technically proficient, tactically mm. understands where he needs to be to, to create that kind of um, yep. that pressure and then has the composure to play out of it really well. We're then on the attack with four then Derby players behind the ball, running back towards their own goal. We play the ball forward, two or three nice interchanges, ends up in a Ethan Hamilton getting a shot away, blocked. It then breaks down. Um, we can't quite manoeuvre an opportunity from it. But it just epitomised where we are right now, in possession, which is significantly streets ahead of where we were under Mark Kennedy because we would not be receiving the ball in those sort of tight areas. But the idea behind that is to receive it there, attract attract attention from the Derby players or the opposition, be good enough to play out of that tight space and then you've got an overload and you can go and attack the space. So we did that really well until the box. And then once again, we're a little bit indecisive. Don't quite get our shot away. Don't quite... Um, you know, have that same kind of interchange there, and and that's when it breaks down. So, I know it's it's nothing new, and it, what are we twenty minutes in? Here we go. That's not bad. That's not bad. Twenty minutes in. Ding 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 ding. Yeah. <laughs> we are missing um, some some full players, of course. Rico yeah. Hackett, Ben House, Tyler Walker, and it, it just can't help but think if we had those players available. Then we, of course, we we have more proficiency in that part of the pitch. We know the reasons why that that is. Mm-hmm. Um, it's disappointing and it's and it's not a strong point for us. But in possession, in flashes, it's not sustained over ninety minutes, of course. But in flashes, that absolutely is the difference that we have, that we are seeing under Michael Scubala. We would not have been able to create an opportunity like that. Mm. Um, I, I think I think the the last well, I'm not saying the last time because we have done it a couple of other times under Michael Scubala as well, you know. But all we have to do is think back to Charlton. That Charlton game where I think it was 24 passes up to Hakeem Dalekin's goal. Mm-hmm. Um if you know if I'm not mistaken, they a lot of those passes were into and out of tight areas. And and that's the sort of thing that, that does get you goals. Now, okay, it didn't work yesterday. Not you know, not really, and and that's okay. It's not always going to work, but um, you know, there's a lot of give give the players freedom, things like this. What we're actually getting that we're getting this kind of bravery on the ball a lot more now than what we ever did under under Mark Kennedy, and that is a really good thing, and it will start coming to fruition. I say, if we're able to play this play style. And at the end of January, let's just hypothetically say we've got Rico Hackett back and we've got a striker in and we've got a, maybe another winger that can play. Jack Moylan's coming in, all of these. And we've actually got this attacking forward line that's able to, quite frankly, score and create. <laughs> yeah, that'd be nice. Massive, yeah, yeah, of course. Great, great high-quality opportunities and chances. Then the sky is the limit. At the minute, I understand people's frustration. And of course, it will course. absolutely frustrate. It will frustrate our midfielders and our defender because they're like, we're doing all of the really good stuff here. We would just love you to be able to tuck it into the back of the net. It is unfortunately just that 
that final little bit. And um, I think it was somebody, I, I can't exactly remember who it was. So, you know, if it was you, um, get yourself a Christmas cracker, I don't know. It, and some somebody replied to one of your posts last night on, on Twitter, Chris. Well, quite a few people replied to your post on Twitter, but somebody replied to uh, one of your posts on Twitter where you were sort of saying, look, we, you know, we know it's the final third that's the issue. Somebody said, actually, I don't, we can see it in thirds like we all, you know, like it's typical, but I don't, it, with this scenario, I don't see it as a third. I see it as the final quarter. It's mm. that going from the third to the fourth quarter, we just can't seem to do. We can do everything up until 20 yards. And yeah. that, you know, that is that is sort of the issue. And I 100% actually agree with that. And I think it was a really good way of putting it because it, it unfortunately is just that final either getting into the box or doing something when the ball is in the box. Mm. And it's so much easier to say, and you know, we can we we can say, well, okay, well, let's just commit more bodies forward so there's always somebody. Then we're gonna lose the defensive solidity that we've built our team off. So it's it's a real difficult balance to try and maintain. We know the forward line, you know, t- realistically isn't good enough in its current state, but there are explanations for that. Not excuses, but explanations. Yeah, I think that's where my comfort comes from, really, is is the fact mm. that we know where the deficiencies are, but we know why. Um, I can see I've seen a, a marked improvement in 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 possession in the first two thirds of the pitch or the first three quarters, if you like. And out of possession, we're, we're statistically all the metrics suggest that we're just just as um, defensively sound as we were uh, prior, prior to Marcus Kubala coming in. So we have improved. Um, yeah. An interesting statistic on Y Scout is there's a metric called positional attacks, which is basically any attack that's not a set piece and not a counter attack. So it's a, an attack that mm-hmm. you have built. Um, we had 24 which is more than we had against Northampton, Shrewsbury, Blackpool, Carlisle, Cheltenham, Reading, Orient, Stevenage. Uh, there's there are others, but, the, but they're, they're the ones. All, of course, on paper, inferior opponents to Derby. Um, we we built, we're, we're building more and more and yeah. more uh, here and creating chances or creating opportunities to create chances mm. because only four of those 24 attacks ended up in shots. That's That's it. So we are good. We really are yeah. good up yeah. until that yeah. point, um, and and then it, and then it breaks down. And the thing is, what, what's frustrating is the fact that we are, in my opinion, out of possession, a top six team, in possession, the first two thirds, a top ten team, mm-hmm. but in that final third, we're, we're obviously nowhere near that. Um, but we know why. Um, so yeah, we, we've probably gone off on a, on a bit of a tangent there. So, <laughs> of course, despite a really positive start. To the second half and, and having a couple of opportunities and certainly some good territory, um, that word sucker punch is going to come up once again. And this time it came off a set piece, uh, short corner taken by Derby on 64 minutes, outside of the mm. foot, cross, flicked head. And now at the time, my Im- initial thought was that's a really clever ball in with the outside of his boot, really difficult trajectory to defend. Mm-hmm. So I did struggle to see why the player had a free head. On second viewing, as the, at the point that the ball comes in, two W players are stood offside. Quite clearly, and yeah. obvious, a minimum of a yard, maybe two, offside. Two of them, including the goal scorer. So, yeah. I, it's kind of all forgiven for me in that regard, because the reason he's got a free header is because he was, he was offside and he, he wasn't been, been mm. marked closely by the player that was onside that, that was there. It was, yeah. It shouldn't have counted. Simple as that. It shouldn't have counted. Um, but the disappointment, once again, is our reaction to it. Our reaction to that disappointment. And again, it perks Derby yeah. up. Or it perks them up. It works both ways. But again, I, I felt from really from that point 
onwards, you know, we had a couple of moments, but really from that point onwards, it was it was kind of game over. Um, I felt we lost a lot of that, certainly in possession quality that we had up until that point. We, we seemed to lose a little bit of our threat and the little threat that we did have, of course. Um, yeah, I just felt like we didn't react particularly particularly well to that. And of course, that, that kind of time coincided with some of the changes uh, and the substitutions, which, which maybe... Mm. It's always difficult coming on as a sub directly after a goal, of course, particularly if it was planned beforehand, because the whole feel of the game changes, doesn't it? But yeah, I don't, I don't feel that our substitutions um, had a massive impact. I, I, it's not a lot on Jack Vale, really. Jack Vale didn't really get much of an opportunity to touch the ball. He was feeling on scraps, really, wasn't he? I felt Joven did struggle today. Mm. In other games, he impressed, but I did feel he struggled today. But let's not forget, it's the first time he's ever played in an environment anything like that. Um, and he looked a little bit indecisive at times with his runs and decision-making. So I understood the substitution, but by the time Jack Bell came on, we didn't really have the opportunity to play into him very often. Um, no. I felt Sean struggled a little bit at left wing back. I, I imagine we were looking just for a natural left foot or we were looking just to, for some fresh legs, but he didn't really settle. Mm. And then, of course, I hate to say it, but the, but Derby's third goal came on the back of a, just a real poor decision from from another substitution in Hakeem. Really good counter-attack counter opportunity for us. And it was a genuinely good counter-attack opportunity for us. Um, delayed the pass. And then the pass he did make was a really poor one. And then a few, a few just a few seconds later, Derby on what was actually their only counter-attack in the whole game. Um, <laughs> they they scored. Once again, freeze frame, offside. Well, offside from the players yeah. that you can see. Um, in... Alex Mitchell and Les Sorensen aren't in shot, so I don't know how what their line is across the line. But in terms of what we can see, he was a good couple of yards offside. But again, at that, at that point, it's just game over, isn't it? Whether it, if you're hard done by or not, you know, from, we're not going to score two goals. We were looking to get what, you know, would we be looking to get another one at mm. 2-1? Uh, um, it's game over. So to be honest, like all the stuff I was talking about last night and all the things in my mind, I kind of... Whatever happened from 75 to, to full time, I kind of discounted and didn't really pay a lot of attention mm. to because game's gone at that point. We're not getting back into it then. It, it was kind of up to that point, particularly up to their second goal. Um, was was I was genuinely, genuinely pleased with. But yeah, two, I left early last night. Two sucker for Whoa, like you. I, it really is, actually. Um, I can't remember the last time that I did that, you know, because of the football. Obviously, every now and again, you just have to leave a little bit early for, for trains or whatever like that. But I mm. can't remember the last time I left early because of the football. Um, I just, at one all, like I say, that first kind of 10, 15 minutes of the second half, you know, the way we were playing, I genuinely just thought that we could go on and win this. And, I, you know, I had this kind of real spurred on belief in the team. But then as soon as we went 2-1 down, did not expect anything. Yeah, I didn't even that. think I, like, I, I didn't even have the faintest hope. Like like before the game where you're hoping for at least a point. I didn't even have the faintest hope when we went two one down that we were gonna get anything. Uh and obviously, you know, it, it did unfortunately go like that. Like Hakeem and Alican, um, I'm not gonna come on here and and slate his decision making or anything like that. It was it it was the wrong decision, it was poor. Um but you know, that was that gave them an opportunity to counter-attack. Could we've done better? You know, there's there is all of all of this. We can we can sit here, we can't sit here and pin the blame on one particular player at any. No, point. not at all. Not I at don't all. think you know, and like how I don't think we can really do that on Lucas Jensen for the second goal. 
for example, oh, you know, I, I, I was I would, confused by that. I don't, I'm not quite sure why anyone was criticising him. It's lobbed over him, but it's a really it's a looping header. The guy's come from an yeah. offside position. The other person that was offside stood in front of Jensen, so he's not going to be able yeah, to really yeah, come out yeah. uh, and, and, and claim anything. Yeah, but it, it, like I said, it was offside. Two players are offside, so that discounts any sort of criticism on the second goal whatsoever. Mm. Yeah, no, it's... It... <sighs> And it's it's real it's a real kind of difficult one to to kind of sit here and try to analyze anyway because you know it it was just sucker punches and it was unfortunately yeah. just there is very little that could actually kind of be said either for or against the squad on either of those goals realistically apart from the mistake from delicate and like you say the fact that the players were offside for for the second and potentially the third as well um, but you know, I'm with you. I, I don't know exactly because we can't see uh, Mitchell and Sorensen. Although offside was mentioned by a couple of people around me last night. So, okay. You know, the, the fact that there seems to be a bit of a consensus on that, who knows? But we got a point last season from Derby when it was offside as well. You know, both goals are offside there. So, yeah, I was on yeah, well. No, no, but, but the only goal that was scored that was onside was the one that got ruled offside by Mendes Lang. If you remember later, later oh, on yeah. in the game, so te- so so it, you know if, if we're playing by that rules, technically we should have lost one nil. But yeah. it, you know, it, it just it is what it is, isn't it? With that one, um, but look, it's I very... don't I don't really think there's much else we can kind of say about Derby. Just uh... it was it was really disappointing. Oh, hang on, Chris. No, 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 just a couple. Just a couple. No, just two things. Just two things. First, just statistically, Derby's xG was zero point nine five. Ours was one point zero nine. Now, of course, 0. 0.76 uh, of that is a penalty. What, okay, that's not what I've got, so that's all. Yeah, so uh, obviously it's different in different sources, but we te- when we ever quote it on the podcast, we always tend to use Scout. It's quite consistent yes. and it's yeah, always yeah, yeah, yeah. analysed overnight and things. Uh, I don't know how they do it. Oh, I've, I've only got blooming uh, flash scores once. Yeah. So, yeah. Um, but ultimately, you know, Derby scored three goals in the next year of around one. Um, yeah. And again, some of them were offside. So I said last night, I, I, I felt 3-1 was harsh. Derby probably on the balance deserved to win because they created more chances. But I just felt like 3-1 felt harsh. And um, yeah, I kind of felt like they, they edged it. Maybe edge is, is maybe a not quite strong enough in, in favour of Derby. Um, but I really don't think they battered this. Again, whatever happened 15 from 75 minutes onwards, I'm discounting because game was gone at that point. But up until that point, up until the game was effectively over, I, I really felt Derby maybe did edge it. But I don't mm. think they were they were significantly better than us at all. We just know where our deficiencies are. Um, so there's one, one one question that was posed, which I thought was a really interesting question, which is, you know, why why are we, you know, why am I more positive now than I was against under under Mark Kennedy? And we, you, you loosened to, yep. mentioned it earlier. And under Mark Kennedy, I'd, I'd lost a little bit of sight of the direction we were travelling in. You know, mm. as much as it doesn't always come off, you want to see what we're trying to do. You want to see where we're heading. And I'd lost a little bit of sight of that. Under Michael Skubala, I can see that again. It's quite significantly, I have to say. Mm-hmm. Um, I just feel like our our ceiling is much higher under Michael Skubala than it was under Mark Candy, mainly down to the style that he's asking us to play because it's a style that definitely is far more taxing mentally. It requires you to play the game with your head so much more. Um, now, of course, the more... To, uh, Footballers always get a bit of a bad rap about me not being intelligent, but you can you can see the intelligent footballers on this mm, in this mm. team. Ethan Arah and Ted Bishop hugely come to mind in that regard. Just just tactically, technically, uh, um, just really really intelligent. And 
and I think I think playing this style will limit some players. Um, you will you will kind of see <laughs> the rough and the smooth in that regard, I think. But that also elevates the the level of your team, elevates the potential level of your team. Yeah. Um, don't get me wrong. It also means that you're probably going to lose one or two. It also means that in in that process of building something and building that squad, that you're gonna you're gonna lose out to some teams that play a contrasting style. Stevenage comes to mind in that regard hugely. Um, but I just feel that the direction of travel that we're on yeah. is is so much more positive now and has the potential to be a lot more entertaining for us all as mm. well. Um, and ultimately, that's the, this, this is a style that will attract better players. Better players will want to come and play in this style. You then attract better players, you then develop better mm-hmm. players, you then have a better team. Um, but Marcus Kubala hasn't had a transfer window yet. We've got players missing. And, and of course, and I don't want to discount how important, we've said how good we are in the first two thirds. We are. We're brilliant out of possession. We are. We kind of almost discount, oh, it's only the final third that we're missing. And it is only the final third that we're missing. But also, that is the most important part. Of course, that's the most important part because yeah. that's, yeah. that's the part that everyone, that most people judge their experience of the game by. That's where the excitement comes from, is the goal mouth action. Mm-hmm. If that's missing, I understand why there's disappointment, why there's dejection, why you feel a bit pissed off coming away from the game after travelling all that way with a nightmare train situation and all traffic. And I completely get it, of course. Um, so I'm not discounting the fact that the final third is the most important third. I'm just trying to offer a little... I feel quite comfortable personally because it's, it, it, that for me, that's the final piece of the jigsaw. We're, we've kind of so much of the jigsaw is complete. Yeah, It's just that last couple of sweet couple of pieces. And we've already got one of them. It's just broken at the moment. We need to get it fixed. And we maybe need to add one or two extras in January. And then, and then I think we can really push on second half of the season. I really, really, really do. So a disappointing result. Um, but actually, 65 minutes, a really pleasing performance. No, I, I 100% agree with that. And look, I obviously everybody has has an opinion on last night, and that's absolutely fine. But one thing I saw quite a little bit on of on, on sort of social media and such, and I know it's a dangerous rabbit hole to go down after a game. <laughs> but it was I actually saw it posed much more as a question, kind of. It, it seemed born out of confusion than it was out of. People's just generally sort of wanting to have a little bit of a rant or saying that they disagreed with it, whatever, was okay. So, why did we get rid of Mark Kennedy for, for this? Now, you know, you've sort of started breaking that down, Chris. And I'll be honest, I, I understand as a general rule of thumb the confusion because, first of all, I, I abhor. Uh, mid-season manager changes unless things are going seriously wrong when Michael Appleton for example he'd he'd clearly lost a large portion of the fan base maybe not even a large portion but a a vocal minority if not no I'd say it was a large portion it it felt very split more split than I've ever known it really for for a long time no absolutely but we waited till the end of the season to get rid of him and I I think that was the best decision at the time Mm -hmm. Um, you know we stayed in the league reasonably comfortably in the end with Mark Kennedy, we know that he was let go for much more than just results. We know it was obviously style of play, a bit of a failure potentially to sort of nurture some of our younger players into the stars that we hope hope they are. Now, I'm going to use a phrase, and I mean, Andy Pearson, if you're listening, um, you know, don't shoot me and don't put the, this quotation in on Twitter with a couple of emojis around it, but the model... Yes, I know the model. 
it needs a manager like Michael Skribala to help it. Now, we thought when we brought Mark Hennedy in that he was going to be that. Fortunately, it turns out he wasn't. But as you were saying, Chris, we can attract these better technical footballers and they're the ones that earn you the money. You look yeah. at the likes of Pete, you look at the likes of Peter, but Peter very much have, have the same sort of model, but obviously we're trying to work towards get young players in, nurture them to become better players, sell them on for much more money. Nobody remembers, for example, Ronnie Edwards at, at Peterborough at the minute, right? He is a fantastic defender and he will be sold on for a few million at some point very soon. He, I think he was subject to like a four and a half million pound bid from Fulham in the summer, if I'm not mistaken. Nobody's going to remember Ronnie Edwards in five years' time, but everybody will remember the strikers that they've sold on. And that's the thing. We, still, is... we still talk about them now. Dwight Gale, British on Belonger. I've been told. And you're absolutely right. As much they're as it... the technical footballers that earn you the money. And this is what we hope to be able to get out of somebody like Danny Mandroyu. Now, Danny Mandroyu gets a lot of stick, but he is a good technical footballer. I just feel like, you know, we, we've spoken about it a lot. System hasn't helped him under Mark Kennedy. Yeah. And Skubala's system will definitely help Danny Mandroyu, but it isn't going to happen overnight. Jack Moylan's going to come in and we hope for a similar sort of thing from him. We've got other young players that we're hoping to try and mould and build into these better stars that are going to be able to play more with the ball at their feet because that's what's going to get them watched. Now, yes, OK, scouts will watch out of possession stuff, of course, but the fans won't rave anywhere near as much about somebody out of possession as they will with somebody who's fantastic with the ball at their feet. They're the sort of players that we want to build. That's what Michael Skibala is going to be able to do. Don't think we saw Mark Kennedy be able to. I don't think we really think that Mark Kennedy was going to be able to do that. Like I say, we know it wasn't just results that got Mark Kennedy uh, the sack. But at the end of the day, no matter what you think about Michael Skubala so far, even you know, even if you aren't necessarily too happy with the fact that Mark Kennedy got let go, there's a. I think there's got to be kind of an understanding that it was so much more about what was happening on the pitch. And also, we are making positive steps forward with Michael Skibala, but you're not going to see everything happen overnight. He's not even had a full week on the training pitch yet. Now, I think the biggest game for Michael Skibala is going to be Wickham away now, because that'll be the end of 12 days that he'll have on the training pitch with the lads. Obviously, they might have a couple of days off, but that's going to be his biggest break without a match from New Year's Day to the 13th of January. If we can go into that game and just start seeing more changes, fantastic, because it, we then know that it's working behind the scenes. I'm not even saying we have to win that game for it to... But, if we can just start seeing some of the bigger changes in the start becoming more prominent, then we know it's working and we're going in the right direction. That's what we're going to hold out for. These few games at Christmas are going to be difficult. They're going to, they are, there's, there's no denying that. We know what the lack of threat that we've got in the final third. We've already spoken about it. They're going to be tough matches, but there's got to be a long-term view beyond that. Agreed. Yeah, agreed. Just going to pick up on two things you mentioned there. Number one, you mentioned Danny Mandroyu. Um, I, I think I think he's a real asset. I really do. Um, I think he I think he looks worse when he's playing with players that aren't on the same wavelength as him. I think the fact that we've had a, a real um, challenge with the, with the players that are playing ahead of him, you know, Joven, Hacks at times, Jack Vell, and also a lack of consistency with it as well. Um, I think that's really maybe limited him because the amount of times he sees something and, and plays a, a really smart ball, but someone's just on their heels or doesn't make the right run. Um, 
yeah, I think it makes him look worse. It looks like he's misplayed a pass, but he's just seeing something at a higher level that someone else has. Um, I'm not saying he hasn't got deficiencies. Everyone at this level has. Um, but I think his ceiling's really high and higher than Lincoln City. Um, I think, yeah, hopefully when, when we do get a higher quality uh, player playing ahead of him, then, then we'll probably get the best out of Danny then as well. Uh, and also, you mentioned about the style and how that attracts certain players. And you know, I think an interesting interesting thing I heard a little while ago in that each player on the pitch has the ball, is in possession of the ball on average for three minutes each game. Out of 90 minutes, mm-hmm. each player will have it for about three minutes. Um, but what that doesn't mean is that for 87 minutes, they're not doing anything and they're not influencing the game. <laughs> so you say about the out-of-possession stuff. Out-of-possession stuff, when the opposition has the ball, I think you know, you're either you either get it or you don't. And you can definitely improve that as you get older. Uh, but also out-of-possession stuff, or out, out, when you you haven't got the ball, yes. but your team is in possession, yeah. like those off-ball runs, the angles you make, the, your body position, mm-hmm. you know, there's so many intricacies there. And I think that, that they are the certain things that I have really noticed Mandrew has really impressed me with that when he's receiving balls in certain areas of the pitch. Um, Ethan Arahan has massively improved me with that. Think of the player he is now compared to he was at the end of Mark Kennedy's reign. You know, he had dropped off a little bit and now he's superstar again. And then particularly yesterday, Ted Bishop massively impressed me in that regard. With just those kind of, just those really yeah. small little little intricacies of their movement and their play. Um, we are playing a, a higher standard of football now. No, mm-hmm. it doesn't that you're probably going to get more mistakes and, and not, not every player is going to be able to be part of it but uh I, yeah I, I feel strange I feel like I just need to be defensive today I don't mean to feel really defensive <laughs> I feel all right about everything you know despite the result and and I think it's what I explain kind of why I feel all right Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by Muck Delivery, bringing you the food you love. Muck Delivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door, including my favourite, the Quarter Pounder with cheese. Mm. No matter the result, you'll always be winning with Muck Delivery, so the only thing left to say is, are you in? Order now on the McDonald's app, and you can also get reward points delivered too, so that ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus. Rewards registration required. Points only on menu items. Delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Um, you did mention that the Christmas period is, is likely to be tough until we do get that 13-day rest. Um, mm-hmm. And of course, first one of those two tasks over Christmas, or three tasks, is, uh, is Bolton at home on Boxing Day. <laughs> what are your thoughts on Bolton at home, Charlie? <sighs> right. Um, Bolton at home. Look, we're going from Derby away to Bolton at home. <sighs> Not exactly the easiest back-to-back matches, is it, Chris? Um, Bolton currently sit sixth in League One. Bear in mind, they were fifth before um, Derby ended up overtaking them last night. Bolton are a very, very good side. And to be honest, they're actually probably underperforming this season, which is crazy to think I'm saying that about a team currently sat in the playoff places in League One. Because I think a lot of people, myself you know, included, had Bolton 
in and around probably that top three with Portsmouth and Derby. Uh, I think Peterborough are very much up there in that conversation as well at the minute. Portsmouth seem to be running away with the league. But Bolton have actually had a couple of poor matches in their last couple in the league, losing to uh, Portsmouth. Okay, understandable. That was the Monday night football on Sky, if anybody watched that the other week. But then they also lost against Bristol Rovers at home last Saturday. A pretty poor result. Bolton are going to come to us and they're a team that we are very much going to expect to have more of the ball. The only times this season where they've had less of the ball than their opposition were against uh, Middlesbrough in the uh, League Cup. Understandable. It's a team from a higher division. We're against Peterborough at home. It's Peterborough. Doesn't surprise me one bit. And against Charlton. Michael Appleton's Charlton. Bear in mind. <laughs> now, before these two losses, they were something like eight games unbeaten in all competitions for like seven wins. Or it may have even been better than that off the top of my head. They had, uh, they, in the league, they won six in a row, including a 7-0 yeah. victory at home to Exeter. Yeah, they they can turn teams over. They did it uh, like a week or two after as well, I think, in the FA Cup, where they destroyed Harrogate Town 5-1. That they they just look, they, they can go into a game and they can look a totally different division to any team they're playing. But that also doesn't mean that they're without mistakes in them as well. It's going to be really, really difficult. We're going to have to set up, I think... Look, um, Michael, I almost said Mark Kennedy there. Michael Skubahala said in his pre-match press conference going into Derby that look, we can't go at these and play at them. Now, I actually think at certain times yesterday we did that. We, mm-hmm. You know, well, that, that maybe that was even a mistake from what he was saying pre-match, or maybe he was just trying to uh, sort of catch Paul Warren out. But I think with Bolton, we are going to look like the away side at home, and that is okay because we're going to see a lot of sort of comments like that okay yeah but we need to be getting at them Bolton are one of the best sides in this division it is going to be a tough match and I think we need to make it a tough match if we're going to want to turn you know get anything out of this game because they're going to be coming to us expecting to, to get back on form they've got Leighton Orient um, tomorrow obviously if they, if they win that they're going to want to keep a little bit of a run of momentum going going into the new year we're going to be on a position to try and stop that but it isn't going to be easy at all I'd be delighted with a point. Uh, oh, absolutely. <laughs> but, uh, you know, I don't know if I agree in terms of how we're going to set up, in terms of um, we're going to look like the away team at home. I, okay. I don't think that's Michael Skubala's way, certainly at home. I think we were poor no, against I'm, Reading. I, I, know, I agree you know with you why. that it isn't his way. Um, I think, of course, we have to be respectful to Bolton and we'll absolutely, um, you know, pick and choose our moments. Mm. But I, I feel we will try and impose ourselves on this game. We won't be passive. Um it might, I imagine Bolton will still have the ball, more more ball than us. Mm-hmm. They'll most likely create more chances than us because we can't create many chances. Yeah, yeah. But I don't, but I don't think we'll be passive. I think under Mark, this is a big difference. I think under Mark Kennedy, we were quite passive. We didn't really engage until mm-hmm. our half, and uh, yeah, we were we were kind of very much backs against the wall. Under Marcus Kubala, we're not passive. We we do to try and attempt to engage higher. We try and engage far more aggressively. So I think that element will will stay. I don't think we'll see a Mark Kennedy style performance. Um, I think maybe the stats would probably say it'll look similar, but I think mm. in reality, maybe it'd be a little bit different. Um, I do think, you know, clutch, I, I think it's going to be a really tough game. I think it's going to be a really tough game, but trying to find a, a couple of straws to clutch at here. Um, obviously, Bolton haven't played their fixture this weekend yet. They play on Saturday against Leighton Orient. 
Um, but going into this in the league, they are winless in three. They drew 0-0 against Oxford, lost to yep. Portsmouth against Bristol Rovers, as you mentioned. Um, so they are not on the best form. So if there is a good time to play them, this is this is probably the best time that of any time of the season that there's going to be because they're, they're unbeaten in three. Uh, sorry, haven't um, haven't won in three. But also, I think it's the physical rest. You know, we we will have, we'll have two days extra rest compared to Bolton mm. going into a very very um, congested schedule for for most teams. That could give us a little bit of an advantage just in sheer running power and just kind of mm-hmm. ability to, to stick it out for the full 90 minutes. So I think if we can stay in the game, keep it tight, scoreline-wise, for the first hour, 70 minutes, then potentially we could have a little bit left in the tank um, in the last few minutes. And, and that, that kind of brings to mind the, the Barnsley game a little bit to me. In the, mm. Obviously, we went behind at that point, and, and but Michael Scribal has changed it to a very offensive, very attack-minded. And we... We looked really threatening in that. We you know it felt like a goal was coming at some point, or if it wasn't, we were, leaked, we were really having a go. We were throwing the kitchen sink at it. So, I think if we are, it's still in the game with twenty minutes to go. Hopefully, we we can have a sort of performance in that last sort of twenty minutes against Barnsley, and and we can have, we, we can leave the you know if, if if you throw the kitchen sink at it and create a few chances in the last twenty minutes, regardless of the result, you tend to leave the game feeling pretty positive about things, don't you? Yeah. And if we can then take that sort of impetus into Northampton, which will only be a few days later. Yeah. And I, that, I think that's a really winnable game for us. That's a game that I think we expect to win. And let's be honest, probably need to win um, if we don't get anything out of Bolton. But but we'll... You're a lot more optimistic about Northampton than what I am, I can't lie. Um, it's, of course, but... it's, it's, it's always going to be a challenge. Yeah. I just, I just yeah. think we're a better team now than we were again when we played them away. They backed Absolutely. us away and we, we were lucky to get the point. Um, yeah. But um, coming off the back of playing Derby and Bolton, there's no denying they are superior to mm. Northampton. So just purely, just and that's the thing. The, if we can get good, if numbers. we can get good performances against those sides, it's going to give us a belief that against you know a side not quite of the caliber of Bolton Derby, and that's no disrespect to mm. Northampton. Like you say, hopefully it'll spur us on to give us a belief that we are going to be able to beat them. Now, do you remember, Chris, the last time we beat Bolton at home? It was the last time we beat Bolton. Full stop. Go on. It was uh, Tuesday, the 14th of January, 2020. Scoreline 5-1. Now, oh, God. Yeah, of course. Yeah. I certainly wouldn't mind <laughs> that happening yeah. again. That would um, do nicely. Yeah. Please, Santa. Look, with, look, with Bolton, I, I very much think this is going to be a huge game for um, our, our wing-backs, but actually also our wide centre-backs. Purely because we know how high our wing backs um, sort of sit up in possession, and I think our wide centre halves are going to actually have a good bit of work because I think if Bolton could turn over the ball when we're on the attack, I think they're going to be really good at countering. Now, one of their better players this season, who's played almost every single minute for them, I think he's their highest uh, sort of appearance holder, the highest minutes holder, if you like, um, of their outfield players. And that's uh, Josh Dacus-Cogley. Now, Josh Dacus-Cogley, if anybody remembers, was a player that we were quite heavily linked with in the summer. Now, whether or not we were actually after him, who knows? Um, but former, former Tranmere man from last season, he has gone into that and played very, very well. Um, and I feel like he's going to very much be the sort of player that is going to want to try to exploit any kind of space that we leave on in, in those kind of wide areas. So I think it's something that we're going to very much have to make sure that we're sort of set up against. And this was the only sort of thing I was I was saying 
terms of maybe us looking a little bit like the away team. Because yes, we are going to try and sort of press up that little bit higher than what we have been doing, uh, or what we were doing, if you like, under Mark Kennedy, you know, around this fixture last year. I think it was, was it the night of the 29th that we played these last year around Christmas, if I'm not mistaken? Um, and, you know, we were, like you say, a lot more passive. Um and I don't think it's going to be quite like that, but I also think that we're not going to sit quite as high as what we have done in some games. Um, you know, it, Cambridge away even. Okay, that was an away game where I, we there were times where we were actually quite a lot higher, and it was fantastic. We could exploit them, brilliant. But I'm not quite sure if we're going to be able to play as high against Bolton. It doesn't necessarily mean that that's a bad thing. I just think that then it means that when we're on the ball, we're going to try and look after possession a little bit better than what we have been doing, because it's something the Subalas continue to say, saying, look, we want to keep hold of possession and better, but not just possession for possession's sake. Like you like you came up with that stat earlier of positional attacks, I think it's something that we're very much going to try and utilise on uh, on whatever day it is. What day is Boxing Day? Tuesday. Tuesday. I don't know. Days don't exist over Christmas. It's no, just no, Christmas Day, Boxing Day, and then <laughs> there's, it, uh, and nothing happens in terms of no, actual no. days um, until New Year's Eve. But um, yeah, tactically, it'll be interesting as well. I, I think I agree with you. I think I'm not saying, you know, I'm not being super, like stupidly optimistic and saying we're going to get something out of this. No, 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 I just no. I just think the style of, of the game is going to be different than it would have been under Mark, Mark Kennedy. Um, but I do think Bolton are going to have more of the ball. I think they're probably going to create more chances. I think we're still decent enough at, at stopping them creating anything significant. Even in the game we lost first game of the season against them, we lost 3-0, but they didn't really have many clear-cut chances. And we're better, far better team now than we were then. But they always line up in a 3-5-2. Um, sometimes that is with a 10 in behind two strikers. Sometimes it is with a six yeah. or two eights. To be honest, it's quite fluid and it changes within the game at times. Um, but that means it's definitely a game of wingbacks because that's just what, how it works. <laughs> that's how it works when you're play, yeah. playing wingbacks. Yeah. So if, if we can get if we get pinned in like we did against Reading, if we get pinned in because the likes of that Chris Coakley or, um, or Randall Williams on the other side, if they're really high and Bolton can have some sustained possession, we're going to get pinned in. And we're not going to be able to get out. And it's going to be really, really, really difficult. Um, but similarly, if we can get a bit of a foothold, get a little bit of sustained possession at times, that then allows us to get them pinned in. Yeah. And, and and I think that's what Marcus Hubal is on about when he says putting those tent pegs in. It's about that little bit of sustained possession to allow you to get up the pitch. Mm-hmm. And, it, and it doesn't just allow you to get up the pitch. Obviously, the, the other part of that is it forces the opposition deeper, all of them, um, which means that if they do clear their lines, they are able to counter and counter press as well. So, yeah, I think wing backs is going to be really interesting today. Or it's ultimately, how each team utilizes their wing backs is going to be really interesting and probably going to be key. Um, I'm quite nervous about their midfield three. I'm really comfortable mm. with our midfield two. I'm even more comfortable with Ted Bishop in that. Actually, I think a midfield three with Bishop, um, Hamilton, and Erehan is great. Mm-hmm. I really do. Um, I'm certainly quite comfortable with that. But I'm really impressed with Bolton's midfield three at the moment. They they use their overloads in there really, really well. And they create them with their outside yeah. centre halves and their wing backs a lot. So yeah, it's gonna be difficult, but we're all we're all right. Like I said, we're okay. We're not we're not we're not a bad team. We know where our deficiencies lie. Um but I don't we're not gonna get turned over here. I don't think I don't feel like we're gonna get turned over here comfortably. It I could think, it could end up being be in the game and then yeah, you know, something tight or we'll we'll decide it. But if we can come out of this with a point, I'll be delighted. It could end up being quite a um, quite an end-to-end game, not in the traditional sense of back and forth, but in the sense of 
there's going to be 15 minute sections or however long those sections are. A little bit like against Derby, where as we said the first 20 minutes we look really comfortable on the ball and we look like we're going a little bit more at them. Then there'll be 20 minutes where they're there at us. I think that's kind of the way the game is going to go, where there are going to be sections of the match that we're much better at, and then there's going to be sections of the match where they're much better at. Yeah. And it's and I think that's very much you know what we've said with sticking the tempegs in and wanting to have sustained periods of possession in their mm-hmm. half. A little bit like with the against Wigan, in fact. I know we, didn't, exactly. we still didn't create anything against Wigan, but that that style of game is yeah. probably something that I'm I'm, I'm expecting um, against a better opponent. I think Bolton are going to have more of it than Wigan did. Mm. Um, but I, I was really impressed with against Wigan again up until the final third. But I really thought we were good. Um, mm. But that was two teams that wanted to play possession football and and, and wanted to you know play out and, and, and keep it. Now Bolton, I have generally speaking, do do want to do that. They have the ability to go longer, probably more so than Wigan did. Um, <laughs> but but they, as you mentioned, they, they tend to dominate the ball um, in most games that they play. But ultimately, Boxing Day football at Central Bank. Oh, you can't beat it. I love it. And I love that we've got back-to-back home games over Christmas. I love that. That's obviously, last time that we that, that was 3-6 really in my mind mm. was, was Ipswich and Peterborough. They were, oh, I'll walk the other way around, of course. But they, what, what, what a, great, a great couple of games they were. If we can get a couple of performances like that, and exciting games and results like that against two good teams again. Mm. Well, I think we'll all be going into the new year full of beans. We certainly will. And uh, obviously Blackpool, New Year's Day as an away day. Uh, I'm actually spending a few days up in Blackpool, so I'm really looking forward to that one as well. Nice. Who cares about Christmas Day, right? It is purely about the festive football fixtures that we've... We've maybe been a little bit positive on this podcast. It may not have been for everybody so so far. But at the end of the day, we're in a good position. We're still sat in ninth place in League One, uh, coming into Christmas of our fifth season in this division. Um, at, the end, at the end of the day, I'm happy. OK, we're going into a festive football feast. Uh, and it is going to be really, really good. Hope to see so many of you down on Boxing Day. And of course, have a very Merry Christmas, Chris. You too, mate. You too. And Merry Christmas to all of you. Up the imps. Up the imps. It's the 90th minute. And all your mates around watching the imps on iFollow. You've got your McNugget share boxes on the go. Your mates already got booked for double dipping, but then you steal the last nugget, snatching all three points. Perfect. Order McDelivery now on the McDonald's app. You in. At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.